it's been a while, but this is your Pag-asa Podcast and we're happy to be back on a Manyanita Monday. So we decided to go back to the Pag-asa Podcast today and the trigger was really something that happened um, in the course of the day, which started with... Malacanang spokesperson Harry Roque saying that the president was in perpetual isolation and that he was always being tested for COVID-19. This was, of course, I guess, in response to the fact that cabinet member Eduardo Año had gotten COVID-19 again after he had recovered from it four months ago. So for whatever reason, and it's entirely possible this was deliberate and calculated, Harry Roque talked about the president as if he was sick, as if it was unsafe for him to even step out and talk to people, as if he needed to be kept away from everyone. Now, this makes no sense for a president, and certainly this makes no sense in a country that is in the midst of this crisis. But of course, we know by now that what doesn't make sense to us actually makes total sense to this government. For example, the whole day we were watching as our social media news feeds were bursting with comments, reactions, memes about the fact that the president was in perpetual isolation. On the other, we were seeing supporters of VP Lenny trying to use this to leverage the hashtag Let Lenny Lead campaign. But this is something that is also quite familiar if you have not forgotten the fact that the last person who we heard was really sick of COVID-19 was Bongbong Marcos. And that distracted us for a pretty solid, like, two, three days until they released photographs of him thin in his room, but purportedly not sick. And so if you have that memory, then you also have a sense that this might be a well-calculated plan coming straight from Malacanang's propaganda machine. And at the end of the day, when President Duterte appeared on television, it seemed like we had been had. But maybe the trick is, when we feel like we're being had by this government, when we feel like we're being played yet again, maybe the trick is to try and find a way to play it back at them. For example, today, we should remember that, in fact, we have been asking for Duterte's health records for the longest time. This means that we actually know that he isn't well. This means that we actually know and see that he is getting worse. This is also because he slips all the time and he admits to the drugs that he takes. He admits to the pains that he feels. And he's very defensive about his health. Um, One of his more famous statements is that he's a 72-year-old man. And which 72-year-old man is not as sick as he is? And this is the kind of rhetoric that we've heard from the president since, I don't know, a year into office. And 
since then, they've been able to keep his health records from us. So maybe today is a way to remind ourselves that this is the most non-transparent president when it comes to his health records. Now, the Instagram account Hacktivista actually reminds us pretty well about how serious the Duterte government is about keeping the state of the president's health secret. In April 13 of this year, lawyer Dina De Leon actually filed a petition before the Supreme Court to compel Duterte to disclose his state of health. Now, what happened to that case? Two months after, the Supreme Court dismissed it completely. According to the Hacktivista account, the resolution of the Supreme Court that dismissed De Leon's petition to release President Duterte's health records actually states that the president has the discretion to choose the appropriate means of releasing information to the public. Now, this goes against what is actually in the 1987 Philippine Constitution, Article 7, Section 12, which states that in case of serious illness of the president, the public shall be informed of the state of his health. Now, we have a president who has admitted time and again that he takes fentanyl, this heavy-duty painkiller of a drug. This is the same president who looks ill all the time. This is a president who looks weak all the time. And this is a president who can't even pretend that he has his head on straight. And so when the Constitution says that we should be informed of the state of his health, that actually is about our right to information. And this is what the Supreme Court denied us in June of this year. So on a day like this one where we were distracted by some rumor about Duterte's health, which was further fueled by his own people in Malacanang, the thing that we can do is to look at what it is we are forgetting. Because look at them actually using the issue of the president's health to keep us distracted for a full day. And to me, that is telling. They know that they can manipulate us. They know that they can capture our attention. They know exactly what it is that will keep us from badgering them or from asking the right questions throughout the day. So the next thing we ask ourselves is, what were we being distracted from today? Because there has to be a reason why Malacanang was willing to risk us asking all these questions about Duterte's health, given that it's his health that they have used to actually distract us. So it's actually a pretty huge issue that they're trying to keep us from talking about. So what are those issues? For one thing, today was the burial of Karandi Echanes, who is a peasant leader and an and an intellectual of the left, and who was brutally murdered in his own home. Now, the police would like us to believe that they have nothing to do with it, but their actions say otherwise. Malacanang would like us to believe that this is not a state-sponsored killing, but without a clear condemnation of his death, it seems to say otherwise. And... Instead of our news feeds being filled with tributes to Karandi or with conversations about injustice and human rights in the time of Duterte, 
what it was filled with were jokes and memes about Duterte's health. The other thing that we were being distracted from today was the fact of the MECQ being lifted. This is the government again easing up on the quarantines without listening to the demands and the pleas of our frontliners. Now, the August 1 statement of over 80 medical societies and organizations is important because it was actually a very holistic and very well-crafted set of demands for a more strategic and data-based and intelligent public health response in the face of COVID-19. The thing is, government didn't really do any of the recommendations of our frontliners. Now, the thing with government refusing to listen to our frontliners is that we're doomed because the public health care system cannot handle it. And there is something to be said about over 80 medical societies and organizations agreeing on a set of demands. That's the kind of unity that we haven't seen from any sector since the start of this government and since the start of this pandemic. So to have them decide on these seven demands and for none of those demands to be addressed, for none of those demands to be met by this government is really reason for anger. But because we were distracted today, we didn't really quite get to the point of even discussing um, the public health situation now that the quarantine has been eased and the government is letting big business decide on the fate of all of us and especially of our workers. So it seems like a good day for Duterte thanks to us because we were distracted by the rumors about his health, and therefore we weren't really focused on the things that mattered. Now, the way to turn that around, as I said earlier, is to start looking at what are the real issues here. The first real issue is his health. We are almost collectively on this wishful thinking mode, and that is because we have no idea how his health is, and that is because he has refused to tell us, which is a violation of the Constitution. Number two, we ask ourselves, what are we being distracted from? And in, on this particular day, it's human rights violations and extrajudicial killings and the discussion we truly need to have about that at this point in time. But also, it's about the lifting of our quarantines at a time when our public health system is actually at the brink of breaking down. Now, these things are important still to talk about, and we hope that we can continue to have these conversations, even as for this Manyanita Monday, we were really quite distracted. But hope springs. We aren't called pag-asa for nothing. And so we hope that the more we are aware of the ways in which propaganda works for this government and the ways in which it is able to manipulate information and 
media and social media for its own ends, that we also become more aware of the ways in which we are being manipulated and how it is we can respond. One of the things we can think about is how we can stop being such a captive audience of this government. Because we are at a point where it's clear that they know exactly how to capture our attention. They actually have us in the palm of their hand when it comes to throwing us a bone or providing us with as little information as possible or providing us with information that we feel we need but actually we do not. And so I think that one of the things that we might start to think about is how we can refuse to be this captive audience. And ideally, in the end, we also are able to completely refuse to even take part in the performance. Because what is a performance without an audience? It is nothing. Something to think about on Manyanita Monday. Thank you.